My guest today is Lane Burroughs. Lane is the head baseball coach at Louisiana Tech University. Lane is one of the best coaches in the country and has done an unbelievable job in his five seasons at Louisiana Tech. Uh, during part one of my conversation with Lane, we talk about uh, some of his mentors. Uh, we talk about why he was drawn into coaching and about his strengths and much, much more. Lane uh, has this great balance of humility and, and confidence uh, that's just really magnetic. So I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from Lane. So without further ado, my conversation with Lane Burroughs. Lane, pumped to, to uh, have you this morning or I guess this afternoon. Thanks for taking time. I know we're right in the middle of a busy fall. Why don't you walk us through your journey from high school to present day? Absolutely. Thank you, Travis. Look, you don't get to talk to an All-American all the time, so <laughs> and a Wichita State Hall of Famer. So excited to be on. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, um, connecting with you. Yeah, look, it's uh, I grew up kind of crazy, uh, kind of different, uh, but it's I wouldn't change a thing. My mom was married six times, my dad four, and uh, I think one of the themes you're going to see as we talk is the people God placed in my life, or or where He placed me. Uh, Nobody in my family went to college. Nobody played sports, really. Uh, I was really the only one, so it's kind of interesting. And uh, my, my mom's third husband, uh, we were able to move to the county. We, I grew up in Meridian, Mississippi, but we moved to the country, so to speak. We landed at a school, first grade, K through 12, a 3A school in Mississippi. And it just so happened to be uh, a baseball powerhouse. So I was fortunate. Uh, God led us there and was able to play for uh, Jerry Boatner, who's an ABCA Hall of Famer. He's a Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer. Uh, he's won 15 state championships. He's, he's since retired. But the all-time winningest high school baseball coach in Mississippi history. Uh, so it's fortunate that uh, we just happened to land at that school. And we didn't move out there for baseball. A lot of people have. So I uh, was able to play for him. He had a, a, a big influence on my life, a little country school that's produced, what, four big leaguers and maybe three first-rounders, something like that. It's kind of nuts, an NFL quarterback. And and uh, from there, you know, I, I was probably a better football player, but uh, the football team was average and the baseball team was really good. So went and played at the local junior college, Meridian Junior College, and that's where my life changed. And I was able to play for uh, Corky Palmer. He was the head coach at Meridian. Later on, became the head coach at Southern Miss. And uh, Scott Barry, the current coach at Southern Miss, he was the assistant. He recruited me, and and uh, he kind of became my biggest mentor. He became my brother, uh, probably not closer to anybody in the world than I am Scott Barry. And we've had a relationship uh, ever since 1991 when I when I signed at uh, Meridian Community College, and never really thought about coaching. But I was the guy, Travis. I would hang out in the coach's office uh, between classes, and nobody had computers back then or cell phones, so I was. I was kind of just the guy hang out, listen to them talk and go back and forth. And I was like, man, this is what I want to do. Uh, this is fun. And, and uh, I want to make a difference in people's life like Scott Berry, uh, Corky Palmer are in my life. And uh, played there two years, went on to uh, – we were fortunate enough to go to Grand Junction, play in the Junior College World Series. We were the first team to do that. And uh, went to Mississippi College, a Division II school in Clinton, Mississippi, and had a good career. And, you know, I wasn't professional – prospect by any stretch of the imagination I had one skill I like to say I could run that's about it I could really run and and uh, everything else was pretty average but you know something happened while I was at Mississippi College uh, I, I was majoring in in uh, pre-law I got a history degree my brain tends to go to the English uh, 
history side and uh, I was gonna I was gonna do the law school thing thought about that and and uh, our coach there he asked me when I graduate hey why don't you be a graduate assistant I'll pay for your master's so I kind of switched gears and said I'll get my master's in criminal justice I'm gonna go be an FBI agent or secret service go arrest the bad guys and um, I started coaching man and it got in my blood and and I loved it I loved working with the guys I loved uh, competing continuing to be out there on the field and and um, strange twist right there when I got my master's I took I actually took a job we don't talk about this much in the family I took a job with a trucking company in Memphis Tennessee and and uh, worked there for about four days I uh, had an apartment uh, bought me a pickup truck uh, my my pickup truck note was four hundred dollars a month uh, I'll come back to that in one second I uh, worked there about three or four days and I was like man I can't do this uh, I, I just they say it's sitting for me. I got to I got to do something else. And I remember my dad telling me I was going through a rough time. My dad since passed away. He was a railroad guy. Worked on the he was a railroad man and uh, for 40 plus years and blue collar to the core. And I can remember him saying, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to coach. And he said, well, go do it. And I said, well, it's not that easy. He said, actually, it is. Get on the phone and start calling people. Tell them you'll work for free. And that's essentially what I did. I, I started East Mississippi Junior College, worked for Bill Baldner and worked there for uh, for one for six months not even a year and my life pretty much changed that summer i was out recruiting and and heard there was an opening at a school called northwestern state they were looking for an assistant coach and uh the head coach there at the time was a guy named dave van horn uh, and his assistant was a guy named rob childress and uh, matt deggs was the assistant that had left matt had taken the job at texarkana junior college and and i remember calling a lot of people called for me and i remember coach van horn calling me and saying can you be here tomorrow Travis, I had no idea where Natchitoches, Louisiana was. And I said, yeah, of course. Yeah, I can be there tomorrow. What do you mean? And I literally got in my truck and got the map out. And keep in mind, we didn't have GPS back in those days. You know that. And yeah. uh, I'm driving to Natchitoches. And I can remember, the. I tell the story all the time. I can remember saying, there is no way I'm moving here. There, no, no shot. And I go to the interview. And I can remember Rob Childress sitting over to the left and Coach Van Horn talking Rob didn't really like me. I could tell he was sizing me up and, and uh, didn't really say a lot, just uh, kind of sizing me up. He was kind of intimidating to me. And the whole time I'm like, man, no way. And I can remember Coach Van Horn said, if I offer you this job, are you going to take it? And my mind is going, heck no. And I went out of my mouth came, yes, I'm <laughs> going to take it. And he offered me the job and I ultimately took it. And, and uh, you know, for, I think God placed two really good coaches right there, right out of the gate. My first division one job and uh, with Dave Van Horn, Rob Childress and learned so much from those guys, especially Rob on the recruiting um, side of things. And look, we, I worked there for six months with those guys. They went to Nebraska and I uh, took the Nebraska job. I did not. I was about to get married to uh, my girlfriend who I've been dating since the ninth grade. And uh, we, she did not want to move to Nebraska. And uh, John Cohen ultimately got the job. I'm 22 years old and uh, that's how my relationship with John started and I uh, ended up coming full circle back with him at Mississippi State. Uh, from there, I went to Southern Miss. I was there nine years. Corky Palmer, my junior college coach, was the head coach there. And he ultimately gave me the job, recruiting coordinator at 24 years old. And I did it for nine years, went to Kansas State for a year, worked for Brad Hill, another great uh, man, another great coach. And, and then John got the Mississippi State job. Cohen called me back home and was able to be there for four years. Then the Northwestern State job opened up, and I, uh, I left the team that we had built and worked so hard 
uh, we were really bad our first two years of the league. Uh, we went nine and 21, six and 24. And I left the team in 12 that just won the SEC tournament, uh, took over Northwestern State. And I, I tell this story all the time, too, that my first year as a head coach went 16 and 40. No rainouts. Uh, I, I can remember praying, please, God, let it rain today. To, no, it's sunshiny, beautiful. And, and the team I left played for a national championship, ultimately losing to UCLA. Uh, but I uh, was able to be a head coach, and that's something I wanted uh, at, at the age of 40. And was there four years, and then got the opportunity to come here to Louisiana Tech. Uh, and this will be starting my sixth year. So uh, that's, a, that's a quick synopsis, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. but Love it. I think it's just uh, – and a theme we'll talk about. I'm sure you'll get into it. Just, you know, the, the people that, that – I didn't grow up. I, I wasn't that guy. I wasn't raised to be a coach, and mm. I wasn't on that path. But I think the people God put in my life uh, and moved me around in certain places, it, there's no question I was born to do this for a living. Yeah. So um, so you're sitting in the office at Meridian Junior College, Corky Palmer, Scott Berry. They're talking. Do you remember what exactly it was that kind of – got coaching in your blood I think just the conversations and listening to them pre- uh, prepare for practice uh, talk about games and keep in mind you know this back in those days nobody was on their computer because nobody had yeah. one so you talked you yeah. actually uh, you talked through practice and I can remember even being a player and those guys asked me what do you think what do you think we need to do today I mean I was like what what you mean I have some say so in what we may do at practice today and uh, but there is one instance that sticks out with me. And I, I tell this story all the time. And um, I'll never forget. I was sitting in the locker room one day between classes and Scott Berry. I, I was struggling that, that first fall of my freshman year, I was awful. Uh, it was a disaster. I literally cleaned out my locker probably 10 times. I throw all my stuff in my car, come back the next day and have to put it all back in. <laughs> uh, heck with this game. I'm done. I'm quitting. Uh, and would come back It draw me back. And, uh, season started. I was uh, first couple games. I didn't play and didn't start. And I remember Scott Barry. He walked through there to, to through the locker room, saw me sitting there, and he said, "Hey, I'm I'm fighting for you to get in that lineup." Now, look, he probably wasn't telling the truth. He was probably just trying to help me along the way. But I can remember him saying, "I'm fighting for you to get in that lineup, and when you get in it, you ain't coming out." Hmm. And uh, man, it did something to me. It changed me, and I was like, "That guy's got me forever." I, I'll, I'll jump in front of a bullet for that guy. And ultimately I did get in the lineup and never came back out, but those words, that affirmation and uh, you know, just things like that, Trav, I want to do that. I want to do yeah. that to young men. I want to be able to have that uh, to be able to just say something that he probably don't even remember that uh, if we were being honest, but he was just walking through and saw me and those words came out of his mouth and, and kind of changed the direction. And that's what I want to do. I want to be able to, 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 to make a difference in young men or women's lives that wherever God leads me uh, and just to be able to say a few things, but just being in there and hearing the conversations and other coaches coming in there and the way they talked and had fun and we were winning at a very high level. So it seemed like, man, this can't be that hard. Guys are having fun and, and we're winning and it just, uh, it put a fire in me to want to do what, what they were doing. Talk about Corky Palmer. What made him, what's made him so special or, you know, when he was at Meridian and then at, at, uh, at Southern Miss. Very competitive. Uh, you know, Coach Palmer and anybody that's ever played for him uh, or coached with him, they'll tell you a very, very, very negative man. <laughs> yes. uh, and he'll tell you that to this day. And uh, he, he, he's old school now and he coached uh, with an iron fist and it was, it was you're going to do it his way or the highway. But, you know, everybody, it wasn't for everybody. And I was kind of the player. I'm going to be honest with you. 
as, as I was growing up, uh, I would do anything, football field, baseball field, Travis. I would do anything to get affirmation or, or a compliment from a coach, anything. I mean, for a coach to tell me, hey, good job, man, or you're doing great, there wasn't anything better. I mean, that was mm-hmm. it, and I would do anything. So a guy like Corky Palmer, who uh, is a, a high-level competitor, hates losing more than anything, and it will drive you um, until you, you decide you're going to win. Uh, that's why he's had so much set. And I loved it. I mean, I loved it. I can remember the good old days of, you know, stopping at McDonald's after a game and I didn't have a good game. He'd tell me to stand behind him and I would have to explain to him why I deserve the $5 to go get me a hamburger after a tough game. And, but I, I thrived on that. Not everybody don't. Trust me, I, I get that. But for some reason, I would do anything to impress him. And, and, and I'm going to get a compliment out of this guy one way or the other. You know, ultimately, Coach Palmer, he never had children. Uh, he, he came like, became like a second dad to me. And, uh, I think he looked at me as kind of one of his sons and, uh, he affirmed me and I got in his inner circle and he, and I was able to, uh, get a lot of compliments from him. So I felt like, you know, that to me, there was, there was nothing better, but I just think his competitive drive, uh, his ability to recruit at a high level and, and, uh, it's, it's when it all cost. And, you know, like I said, it's for some people, it's not for everybody, but I think it helped him be successful. Yeah. And um, talk about your time with Van Horn. I know it was six months or so, but yeah, what what did you learn from him? What makes him so special? You know, it's nuts. Everybody asks me that. And Dave is just, he's just a really good coach. There's, I get that question all the time and I can't put my finger on anything where you go, well, this is, this is what he does right here. He's a real innovator over here. And it's really not, it's hard work. And I think Mm -hmm. that's been all the guys I've ever worked with. My high school coach was very successful. It's really just hard work. Uh, we're going to outwork the opponent, uh, are we? I don't know. Nobody's at anybody else's practice, but we're going to feel like we are. And uh, it, it's it's getting good players. It's working them, and it's uh, at work. Uh, you know, I can't put my finger on anything. I think if you if you talk to anybody that's ever worked for him or played for him, it's it it's not anything that you can go. This is why he's successful. He's just a winner, and I believe that's really a thing, Travis. I think some people are just winners uh, by nature, and and they 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 give off that that aura of being a winner. And I think he's one of those guys. He, he lets his coaches coach. He's not overbearing. Uh, he lets his players play and, and, uh, you get the job done or you, or you're on the bench. And, uh, again, it's, it's the ability to bring a team together. And, and he obviously has done a phenomenal job and I was only with him those six months, but he couldn't have been any better to me. I mean, it, he was phenomenal with me. And, you know, I was engaged at the time about to get married and I can remember, you know, one thing about coach Van Horn, he will, he will, he can sense the pulse of his team probably as good as anybody. And if he senses we need a day off, I can remember, wow, man, he's giving us a day off. I mean, it, guys are playing hard. They're doing good. We'll take a day off or we're not going to fight this weather. And I think that is one thing. He can sense the pulse of his team as good as anybody I've ever been around. And, and uh, he knows when they needs to push, when they need to pull back. And he's very, that's a, that's a strength of his and he's very good at it. Yeah. You know, but, Right before you said that, I was thinking of uh, I had interviewed Wes Johnson, who's now the pitching coach yeah. with the Twins, who was with him at Arkansas, and I asked him about Van Horn, and that's exactly what he said. He said, "Man, he just he could read a room, he could read people, he could read the team individually, but also as a whole." Um, and man, it's as I think through, as I'm you know working with coaches, trying to think, all right, so you, if if that's a if that could be a key attribute, how do you teach that? How do you help people grow in that? And man, I'm not sure you can. I think I think you either have a knack to kind of read the room, some emotional intelligence, or you don't. I agree. There's no doubt about it. Look, and I think 
if I had to, uh, I think that I don't have many, trust me. I don't have many strengths. I tell our team all the time. I think one I do have, I think it has to do with my upbringing, probably coach Van Horn's upbringing. I, the ability to read people. You're good at that, Travis. The little, the little time I've been around you, man, I can tell you, you can read people and quickly. Uh, I don't know your life story, but I can tell that's one of your strengths. And mm. uh, I think it's the people I was around growing up uh, kind of different. Look, I, I've had 19 to 20 step or half brothers and sisters, but I, I'm an only child, if that makes sense. And uh, I've shared a bedroom with some scoundrels and some, some knuckleheads and, uh, but some guys and was really good hearts. Uh, mm. And I think uh, that's, that's something as, as I was being brought up, you know, I didn't realize it probably being prepared to be a coach or lead a team and uh, or lead a family and the ability to read people, man, and know, know uh, who needs to be pushed, who needs to be patted on the, on the back, who needs words of affirmation. I was one of those guys. Look, I, I, I wanted somebody to challenge me. I, I wanted you to, to, to get on me, tell me I wasn't tough enough. I thrived on that, but everybody don't. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person or not a good player. But I just think uh, there's no doubt about it. What Wes said is, is true, the ability to read a room. And who knows, maybe it's something in his upbringing that uh, just uh, able to read people and connect with them at a very high level. You mentioned uh, just briefly about Childers and recruiting. Obviously, Rob, the, the former coach uh, at Texas A&M, now he's at University of Nebraska. What was it? And what did you learn from him and specifically about recruiting? Working the phone. We, we shared an office to this day at Northwestern State. That is still the assistant's office. It's nothing but a closet. We call it the clawfice. That's what it is. And uh, <laughs> it's a small closet, same office. And uh, we had the same uh, – we didn't have cell phones. We had the same – we both had phones on our desk. I can see it as plain as day, and it, it was the same line. So I can remember Rob would come in so early. He was anybody that's ever worked, they'll tell you, he, he takes pride in beating everybody to the office. He wants to be the first one there. And I can just remember sitting there. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, to get the job, I'd say anything. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Sure, I've recruited it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can remember sitting there and reading a magazine or the newspaper and listening to him um, talk to recruits and how he talked to them and, and I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how, you know, how to carry on a conversation with a recruit, somebody. And, man, I could just – I would take it all in. And, you know, I'm pretending like I'm reading and not paying any attention and just listening to the conversations he's had and how, uh, how passionate he was about the product he was selling, Northwestern State, which is not easy to sell. And he's doing a phenomenal job. But, you know, I'm thinking, wow, if I'm on the phone, I, I'm in, man. And uh, I can remember him saying, hey, let's go. Well, we're not practicing today. Let's go so-and-so. And we'd hop in the truck and – We'd ride together, we'd talk recruiting, and we'd go watch it, uh, players, and talk it on the way back, and just everything. The ability to, um, you know, to, 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 to evaluate players. Obviously, skill set's so important. I tell every recruit, you got to be able to play or get your teeth kicked in. But, you know, character makeup uh, is more important, and the level of toughness, level of maturity. And those are things you learn when you bring them in on visits and you get to meet them and connect with them. But uh, what we're looking for, uh, specifically when you go out and recruit. I learned so much. Probably everything, honestly, uh, that I know about recruiting, I probably I wouldn't hesitate to say learn from Rob Childers. That's cool. That's cool. Okay, you mentioned Northwestern State. I want to dive into to that turnaround just, just briefly here. So in 2013, you have 16 wins, and then the next year in 14, you have 33 wins, and then your last year at Northwestern State, you have 33 wins. What – and I, and I know there's a, a multitude of things that happen in order to turn a program, but was there, I'll ask it like this. 
How'd you turn it around? What happened? Well, how do you go from 16 wins to 33 wins? I became a better coach, Travis. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I did reevaluate myself. Look, I'd never lost as a coach uh, nine years at, at Northwestern State. The one year I spent there as an assistant, we won the league running away. Uh, had 40 wins, won the league, and uh, got a ring. I was like, man, this is easy. Went to Southern Miss. Uh, hosted a regional in 03, went to regional the first year I was there, hosted in 03, the program took off, and uh, go to Mississippi State, and win the SEC tournament, go to Super Regional. You know, you're you're winning. I've had losing seasons, but nothing like that. So you do reevaluate. I had a really good assistance. Chris Curry, the current head coach at yeah. Little Rock, was my pitching coach and really good friend of mine, also a Meridian Junior College alum, and I'm a good bit older, but I've known Chris forever, and phenomenal recruiter, phenomenal man. Uh, really, really good coach. And basically, hey, go get players, man. We got to get them. We realized early on we weren't going to be that good. We were inheriting a program that won 11 games, and mm. you knew it probably wasn't going to go our way. We had Oklahoma and TCU on our schedule and people like that. It's uh, it's probably not going to be good. And and uh, go get players. And that's what we did. We went and got guys that, that had a level of toughness. Uh, it takes a special person to come to Northwestern and, and compete and and want to play there. And we got, we struck it rich, man. We, we got some guys that a lot of times it happens that way. We got guys that had a chip on their shoulder, but not only that, they were good kids. We didn't have a lot of knuckleheads. They were good students. They were good kids, but when they crossed that line, they, they got after you. And it was something that there was a non-negotiable. You play here, you better have some toughness. And, and those guys did. And of course you reevaluate yourself, man. You question yourself. I know I, I, all these other coaches seem like they got it together. I don't. You know, I get on social media, I'm like, man, that guy's got it together. What's wrong with me? But I think if we're going to be transparent and we're going to be truthful, I, you know, I think everybody questions himself. Am I cut out to be a head coach? Should I have stayed at Mississippi State? Anybody that says, uh, when you go 16 and 40 and, and uh, I'm sitting there watching a team I helped put together with Butch Thompson play for a national championship, that's tough. Yeah. I'm pulling for those guys, man, but it's tough. I left that. Um, but you got to trust that, that that's where God wants you or you wouldn't be there. And, you know, you kind of, look, throughout my life, I kind of take this, I hate the word philosophy really, but I guess if you have to say that, uh, if you back, back, back me in the corner, you got two options. And I tell our players this, you either come out fighting or you melt. And, uh, you know, I felt like at 16 and 40, we were back in the corner, man. And, uh, you know, now I'm questioning myself and it's time to fight. It's time to come out swinging. And that's the only option you have. And, our coaches did a great job recruiting good players, and we reevaluated ourselves. We took a little retreat to a to a cabin on a reservoir out where I grew up, and <laughs> we laid it all out online one weekend and talked about everything we were going to do different. And you know, did that did that help? Probably, but also I'm a firm believer players make good coaches, and when you get good players, man, they make you look good, and and we were able to do that. Um, yeah, it's really really good. So. Um... Differences between 2021 Lane Burroughs and 2000, let's go 2014. Let's go with the year you won 33 over the last, what is that? Seven years or so. What are some, what are some ways maybe you've evolved or changed or tweaked some things? Yeah. What how have you changed? Well, look, if anybody knows me, they'll tell you I'm a little high, strong, a little intense, probably a I think a lot of your strengths can be your weaknesses and vice versa. And I think one of my strengths is I am competitive. I'm very intense, but it can be a weakness mm. uh, and it can, it can be detrimental. And that's something I've worked on. And, and uh, I think, uh, I think obviously, you know, I got two daughters. They're in college now. I got a son that's 14. I think when you have children, I think it, it helps you as a coach. You realize, man, these are, 
these kids I'm working with, somebody's kids that yeah. loves them unconditionally. Uh, I may not because they're not playing good, but somebody <laughs> loves these guys and there's somebody's pride and joy and it makes yeah. a difference. I think, look, it, uh, I think going through the tornado helped me tremendously as a coach. Uh, when mm-hmm. we lost our facility, we went two years without a facility and it's one of those things where, you know, you know what, two years, no locker room, no field, we're just vagabonds and what are we doing? And uh, nobody left though. We, we had created a culture where kids wanted to be here and that's, you know, we had four all Americans last year and none of them left. And we live in a time today where they can, they can leave and, and, and be eligible to play. And we had four all Americans. Somebody would have took those guys. It wasn't like they weren't good players, but I, I think watching our guys, I tell our guys this, there were days I pulled up to the, to the field and I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this again, the high school. And, and I'd hear those guys out there working. Those guys pulled me through it. And, hmm. you know, I'll tell you, somebody's had an influence on me in the last three years, Mitch Gaspard. And uh, I brought him on board. And uh, I looked up to Mitch when I was at Southern Miss, a young assistant. Him and Todd Butler were at Alabama, and they had it going on. I can remember, man, I want to be like those guys. I want to uh, – they got it going on. They're recruiting. They're winning. They do it right. They're good guys. And, uh, you know, Mitch is – me and him, he's a little more laid back. He's been good for me. And – I can remember when I called him and I said, I need that. I need that. I've always been the oldest guy since I've been a head coach. And I need that stable guy that's been there, done that at a very high level. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. Mitch has made a difference in our team. He's made a difference in me and, and uh, the way he handles things. And I think all of it, you know, I think I, I understand the players a little more. And, mm. uh, you know, I, I think the greatest coaching advice I ever got, uh, I got it when I was first starting. And uh, Scott Barry gave it to me, and I was, you know, I want, I want everybody to know how tough I was, and and when you're a young coach, and I can remember, you know, undressing somebody and lighting into him, and he come over and said, "Hey, man, don't ever forget how hard this game is." Yeah. And he said, "I saw you play. Uh, it, it wasn't always great, right?" And it kind of was like, "Yeah, it is a hard game," and yeah. that made a difference in, in in my life and in my coaching style. And you know, I think just uh, becoming closer with the players. You know, a lot of times when you become the head coach. It's kind of you're pulled in so many different directions. It's it's speaking here, it's lunch here, it's fundraising here. But I think making a uh, a concerted effort to 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 have a relationship, let them have some freedom. Look, I did away with the shaving and hair and all that, and uh, whatever, man. That ain't, shaving and cutting our hair ain't gonna make us win ball games. Be who you are, and, uh, within the parameters of our program and our rules, we still have those. But uh, I think just giving the guys a little freedom, and I think uh, and just I think growing up and maturing, man, I'm middle aged, so it, yeah. it helps you. You either adapt and adjust, or you die. And uh, I think uh, I think all of that put together has helped me to evolve as a coach. That's good. So walk walk me through, if you don't mind. Um, tornado rips through um, Ruston. The next the the next day, or the the first time you get your team together. What what that meeting sound like? How'd you address it? What was yeah? I'd be really really curious about that. Yeah, and I'll try to keep it short. I get long winded sometimes, but uh, hey, you're good. We uh, we played Little Rock that night before we had a walk off homer. Hunter Wells had a walk off homer. We were going to McNeese for a Wednesday night game, and heading on over to Rice for league play. And uh, we left that morning, packed up our stuff. Little did we know it's last time we'd ever see our stadium. And uh, we played McNeese that night. We did not play good. They beat us and. I can remember pulling up to the hotel and man, I'm fuming. And uh, this is, I don't want to get too dramatic, but literally when the bus stopped the hotel, I'm about to, I'm about to light into them, let them know how I feel. So I'll feel better. And uh, I can remember it was like something said, man, don't, don't go there tonight. Just Mm -hmm. don't go there. The guys are playing hard and I didn't. And uh, 
we went in and that night about three o'clock, I always put my phone on silent, but I lay it on my bed and I woke up by the light and woke me up on my phone. And I mean, I, I had 20 messages. My wife had tried to call. And, uh, so I call her she's like a tornado ripped through and, you know, I think the stadium's gone and a manager, one of our managers that stayed behind, he had left a message and he was beside himself. And there were people on our athletic director, people were on our field and, you know, we just I sent out a message and slowly everybody just started congregating down in the lobby of the hotel. And that's how it happened. Just an impromptu meeting. And, you know, guys lost their vehicles and they were worried about that and uh, make sure everybody's OK. That didn't go on the trip with us. And we went and practiced at Rice the next day. And it was the worst practice ever. Everybody was exhausted and worried about things we couldn't control. And we ended up getting swept at Rice. And it, the whole weekend was a disaster. It could could not have went any worse. A game ended on a first and second sacrifice bunt triple play. That's how Saturday's game ended. So hmm. it could not have been any worse. And I remember we came back uh, Sunday night and our, we hadn't seen the place. I mean, it's been almost a week and uh, you know, you start you coming over that hill and you go, well, here we go. It's about to get real. And yeah. our, our administration, a lot of our administrators met us here and, you know, essentially said, look, tomorrow you got two hours to get everything out of here. This thing could fall in and, and uh, the next day we got everybody up here and I can remember our guys going to their position, just like, and staring like, this is unbelievable. What, what's, what's the future hold? And, and uh, we got everything out of the stadium, our offices and essentially moved to a high school park. Fortunate to have it. And, and uh, we, we were, that was our home for the next two years. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so you did, what, what high school was it, by the way? Just Ruston high school. Yeah. Okay. And, and you know, we, we actually had a conference weekend coming up Western Kentucky and, you know, it, we <laughs> we had all that going on, and we get in a Friday night game. We get in a and we get in a bench clearing brawl at the end of it. They beat us in a strikeout that our guy hit the catcher in the game on a back swing, and somebody sets it's like, man, this can't get any crazier, you know. Yeah. And uh, it just it was a week or two weeks where it was, man, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, and and uh, you kind of you're just trying to hold your team together because we had a good club and we did not play good. I can remember we lost. Uh, we went. Played at Mississippi State, lost there. We won the Western Kentucky series, but we ended up uh, – we went to Old Dominion, lost two out of three. We came back home, played LSU down there, and beat them 12 to 1. Go figure. Couldn't have wow. played any better. So, uh, it was a crazy time. But, yeah, we – Ruston High School was our home. No locker room, no players' lounge. We just kind of – like I said, we were just kind of gypsies and vagabonds. And get it done, man. We, we kind of had a we, – we had a mantra deal with it. Just deal with it. I don't want to hear about it. Everybody knows what it is. No excuses. Come to work. And our guys did. And I think you saw that last year. We had a great year that hosted a regional. We opened up a new stadium. And we're, we're so blessed. Travis, you've seen this place. I mean, we're yeah. blessed to have what we have. And uh, to be able to go through that and watch those guys just never give up, never stop, it, uh, it's something I'll never forget. It's cool. So speaking of uh, facilities, I have seniors and they're phenomenal. I was blown away, honestly. I knew they were nice. You kind of, oh, yeah, they've got a new facility. Dude, those are like legit big time. I was blown away. So you're you're not that far removed from playing at Ruston High School. Now you've got this facility. How do you um, how do you how do you keep that environment in your program that has some hunger that has some? Do, how how do you avoid entitlement? How do you continue to keep that hunger going? What do you do? I can't believe you said that. That's one thing I told our staff and my wife. I was like, now nah, I'm worried. We had something chip on our shoulder. Now yeah. we got this beautiful new place. And 
you know, I don't need our guys, like you just said, to feel like they're entitled and get soft all of a sudden. Now, we really didn't have an option when we didn't have a facility. You know, it's either go sit at your apartment or your dorm or go work. Yeah. And most of our guys went and worked. Now they got indoor facility that's top of the line, and they got players' lounge and TVs, and they can lounge around. And, you know, that was one thing we addressed early on, especially this year coming back. Look, it's uh, you really didn't have to worry about it with last year's team. They they appreciated everything, I can yeah. assure you, because it was a long haul and long process. Well, this year's team, look, all this is nice. We're th- This culture ain't changing as long as, as, as us coaches are here and these guys, I call them bulldog men. I have a saying, we got a wall. It's the bulldog men wall. Those are forever captains. It's like the Yankees. Once you're named a bulldog man, you're a captain forever. Uh, and, and to be a bulldog man, it all these guys want to be bulldog men. I call them company men. Uh, they may not be the best players, but those are guys that – uh, they control this program. They control the culture, and uh, they just want to be good Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. They're not worried about anything else, and those guys take care of it. They went through it. They've been through it, and I think uh, you know we're not going to change the way we coach and the way we uh, we approach things. And but it is that was a concern of mine. It really was. I can't believe you brought that up. That okay? Is this going to is this going to bring in some softness to our team? We 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 were kind of had the chip on our shoulder. Now we got all this stuff. Uh, you know, but I, I think our guys have handled it extremely well. Like you said, we're not that far removed from it, so we're still kind of in the middle of it. But I think our guys, the culture's been set, and I know that's a buzzword everybody uses, but it's real. You better have a good one, and it, you better have an identity because uh, when things go get going tough and, and you're in that valley, you need to reach back on something. You better have an identity to reach back on, and our guys do, and uh, I feel comfortable with that in our program. 